Thank you, John, and for all your fellowship here, for the welcome you've given to the LL team. We feel very much at home here, and we're delighted to be able to share fellowship with you. So thank you for your invitation. It's also good for me to be back here in South Africa. My mother was South African, and just after the war, I was very grateful for the food parcels that came from Pretoria. I, I remember the stamps and the stamp on the date stamp, Pretoria, and I wondered, if, would I ever go to that place? And it's lovely to be back here in South Africa and to be able to share some of the things that God has given us in the ministry of LL. This was a ministry that was established over 30 years ago now to bring hope and healing and restoration to hurting people. And uh, God has raised it up and taken it around the world. And we have a center just up the road here at Shia House. But this morning, I, whilst I will touch into some areas of healing, the word that the Lord has given me to bring to you this morning is some advice about investments. Now, that may be a little bit of a surprise to you, but we live in a, a very insecure age where people are in fear, they worry about the value of their money, their property, they worry about all sorts of things in society, whether it's violence or whether it's pain, suffering, sickness. And uh, in the midst of all the difficulties that people experience, I want to tell you that there is one investment that you can make which is absolutely guaranteed both in this life and the next. It's an investment in obedience. It's the world's most profitable investment. And it's an investment in obedience to God which is contrary to what is the world's most popular pastime, which is sin. The world's most popular pastime, people doing their own thing and living their own life without any reference to the living God. But there is a way that seems right unto man and the end thereof is death. But there is a way that seems right unto God and the end thereof is life. And I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about the investment that we make with our lives when we actually choose to walk in the ways of God and the blessings that come as a result. But not just the blessings that come, but also the protection that comes. When we walk in the ways of God, not only do we receive His blessing but actually we are protected from the things that the enemy might want to put, us, put upon us. I'm going to share some things from Scripture and some of the experiences we've had in life in this whole area. And the Scripture, if you're following it with your Bibles, you want to look at John 14, verse 23, where Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Now, the linking of love and obedience is a message that actually goes all the way through Scripture. And we love the Lord, and we want in our hearts to obey Him because we love Him. I'm sure there's many couples here who, they love each other very much, and uh, if one partner asks the other to do something, you say, yes, darling. <laughs> Always. But why do you do it? You do it because you love them. The relationship between love and obedience is right there 
in our families, our homes, our friendships. If you love somebody and they ask you to do something for them, then the natural desire of your heart is to want to please them. And where does that come from? It comes from God himself. That in our hearts, when we're born again of the Spirit of God, there's a desire to please him. But the reality is we're living in a fallen world. And what happened at the fall was that man chose to obey Satan. And up to that point, man was under the authority of God. But when man chose to obey Satan, man came underneath the authority of Satan, who became then the God of this world. The authority that God had given to man here on this planet was then given to Satan. And we're living in an alien world where the God of this world is constantly wanting to take us astray, to take us into his ways. And God speaks to us and shares his heart with us. And he says, follow me. Very simple words, follow me. Those are the words that Jesus used when he called the disciples. He says, follow me. And a believer believes that Jesus died on the cross so that you may be forgiven of your sin, but a disciple is someone who follows the Savior. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you just want to be a believer? Or do you want to be a disciple? You see, the Great Commission that Jesus gave to the church was to go into all the world and make believers or disciples? Disciples. You can't be a disciple unless you're a believer. But God doesn't call us just to believe. Scripture tells us the devil believes because he knows the truth about the living God. He calls us to be a disciple. And a disciple is someone who follows. A disciple is somebody who obeys. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, I absolutely love those words. Jesus is saying, well, if you walk with me and obey those things that I've put before you, then we, and he's saying, we, my father and myself, we're going to come and make ourselves at home in your house. Now, that's really exciting, because if he's at home with us, then we can chat to him at any time of the day or night. We can talk to him, we can share with him our visions and share with him our ideas. We can share with him the difficulties and the problems. And he's saying, we will be with you. What a huge encouragement it is to know that Jesus is not just a God in heaven who says, one day you're going to be with me. He's a God who came down to earth and says, I'm with you now. We will come and live with you. Now, this theme of obedience is something that goes all the way through Scripture. And it's very closely linked to healing. And healing is something that God has put on our heart, that God wants to bring healing to his people, to bring hope, to bring restoration, to bring encouragement, to deal with the issues of our past so that we may be healed in the present and live with him in the future. And one of the characters of God is as a healer. One of those names of God, Jehovah Rapha, means I am the Lord who heals. And you will have sung that song, I am the Lord who healeth. Something like that. (laughs) Do you sing that here? Well, you don't sing the whole lot. 
See, you're only singing one phrase out of a much longer sentence. And really, that song should begin with the word, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, or something like that. <laughs> because it's all part of a much longer sentence. So I won't sing it, but I will read it to you. And it ends with, I am the Lord who healeth thee. Right, here's what it says. If, oh, if, is that means it's a condition. If you listen carefully, your kids are, have you ever said to them, listen to me. Were you ever sold by your parents? Listen. Now, when mum or dad say something like that, they say, this is really important, and it's very important that you remember what I'm going to say. And this is what the Word of God says, Exodus 15, 26. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and if you keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought from the Egyptians for... I am the Lord who healeth thee. Have you got that? That's the end of the sentence. The whole sentence says, if you obey me, if you walk in my ways, those promises of healing and restoration are going to be part of your life and your experience. There is a link between obedience and healing. And it's not just there in the Old Testament. This is a New Testament message as well. In John 8, verse 31, there is that wonderful phrase which says, in John 8, verse 31, the truth will set you free. Anybody heard that said? Heard someone say, well, the truth will set you free, brother. You know, it's just like Exodus 15, 26. It's the end of a long sentence. It's not the whole sentence. The whole sentence begins, if. Oh. You know I don't like that word sometimes because I want the blessing without any responsibility. I want the blessing without having to obey. I, I want to be able to just get it without anything on my part having to do anything. That's the carnal nature. But the scripture makes it very clear that if you really want to know in this life the fullness of the blessings of God, then we have to make godly choices. We have to choose to walk in his ways, to walk in obedience, to walk in fellowship, to walk in relationship with the God who called us to himself. So Jesus said, and who's he speaking to? Well, he's speaking to believers. This is not to pagans, to unbelievers. It says to the Jews who believed on him. So he's speaking to you, to believers, if you hold to my teaching. Now, if you hold to my teaching, that means if you agree with it and you obey it. It doesn't mean say, well, yes, this is what Jesus taught, but this is what I do. Sometimes there's a discrepancy between what Jesus said and what we do. There's a discrepancy between the things that God says to us personally and the things that we actually choose to do. If you hold to my teaching, we listen and then we obey. There was a time in my life, many years ago, long before I was called into this work, when I was in business. And in business, you have ideas, and you follow them, and you invest, and you get a return. And I was a publisher, so I got authors to write books for me, and then I published the books and made money out of the books. And there was one man came to me with an idea, 
and it was a very good idea. And I thought, we're going to make a lot of money out of this idea. And I went to see this man, and as I got to his house, I was about to put my finger on the doorbell, and before I pressed the doorbell of his house, God spoke almost audibly into my heart and said, have nothing to do with this man. Oh, well, Lord, I've just driven 200 miles. Couldn't you have actually told me that before I wasted the petrol? (laughs) It was a test, and I failed the test because I went into that man's house, talked with him about the idea, and I came out with a signed contract for the book, and I was committed to publishing this man's book. I haven't got time to tell you the whole story, but it was the worst thing that I ever did. God is a far better businessman than me and than any of you. And I chose to do it my way. And the end of that story, six months later, was that I was under threat of bankruptcy and murder. Now, when you're in a situation where you've got bankruptcy on one side and murder on the other, repentance comes easily. (laughs) Because you know there's no way out except God. You're in a situation where go this way, it's disaster. Go that way, it's disaster. God, help. Now, I haven't got time to tell you the whole story. But that was the worst decision I ever made. And God supernaturally delivered me. But there was many weeks, pain and suffering along the way. My company very nearly folded completely. And I very nearly lost my own life. See, I'd made a choice to do it Frank Sinatra style, my way. (laughs) And it's no wonder in this sort of hedonistic age that I do it my way was the most popular song of the 20th century. And sadly, it's not just the popular song of the people out there in the world. Sadly, inside the body of Christ, People have made wrong decisions, and they've wanted to do it their way. One of the people in the scriptures of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, it tells us that he began his kingship really well. Uh, As a young person, he followed the Lord, and God walked with him because he chose to walk with God. But towards the end of his life, He thought, I can make a lot of money out of a business deal with King Ahaziah, who was an evil man. But he thought, I can make this work, and we'll build some ships together, and we will trade. But God didn't want him to be in alliance with an evil man. But he chose to do it his way, very much like I did. And a prophet came and spoke to him and said, because you've made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. And the ships were wrecked and were not able to set sail. Isn't it sad that at the end of Jehoshaphat's life, he's doing it his way, and the consequence was disaster. I was once speaking at a conference, and in the middle of my teaching, I just went prompted by the Lord just to tell very briefly that story of Jehoshaphat. And I said, I don't know why I'm telling this, but I believe it may be for somebody here. And after the meeting... A girl, a young woman came up to me and she said, I think that what you spoke might be for my father. And uh, she said, I'm taking the recording of the message tonight. I'm taking it home to him. The following morning at the conference, at the coffee time, the man came to see me. 
He said, what you said last night spoke right into my life. He said, I've been concerned for a while about a business deal I'm about to sign today. And this will be a deal which would make 10 million pounds profit for me and my company. But I felt unhappy in my spirit about it, and yet I was going to go ahead and do it until you shared that scripture. And before I came into the conference this morning, he said, I cancelled the deal. Can you imagine how I felt? I'd just given out a word, and this man cancelled a $10 million contract. I didn't see the man for a year. And he said, a year later, he came and he said, I want to thank you for that word you spoke. He said, what I found out was that shortly after I would have signed that contract, the company that I would have entered into business with went bankrupt, and I would have lost absolutely everything that I had. You see, God's wisdom trumps the decisions and the choices of man. And if we choose to walk in obedience, we can not only know the blessings of God, but we actually can be prevented from the cursings of the enemy. But I want to just speak a word of encouragement because my guess is that there's one or two people here in this church this morning that have actually made an occasional mistake. <laughs> Am I speaking the truth? And the enemy will come along and say to you, look what you've done. You're awful. You're terrible. God can't use you. Yes, come to church if you like. Just warm a seat every now and again. Uh, but don't you dare do anything for God. I want to tell you this. That God doesn't want to hold us in condemnation because his son died that we might be set free. And through repentance, there is forgiveness. And through forgiveness, there is redemption. And through redemption, we earn a new authority in the kingdom of God to enter out into a fallen and broken world and say, this is what God did for me and this is what God can do for you. See, the testimony that we have in this ministry is that he takes broken lives and he makes them into his cherished people who are his cherished servants. The scripture that Jesus used for his mission statement in Isaiah chapter 61, when he began his ministry, he quoted from this in Nazareth, recorded in Luke 4. And this was what Isaiah saw about Jesus. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Nobody has to pay for it. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted about wrong choices you've made, decisions you've made in the past? Things you think, oh, only I'd never done this or never done that. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim freedom for the captives. People are in spiritual captivity to the work of the enemy in their lives. And release from darkness for those who are prisoners. For those who the enemy has held them in bondage and in spiritual darkness. Isaiah is saying, Jesus is coming to set the captives free. Release from darkness of prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, those who are in grief, more comfort those, provide for those who grieve, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Don't let the enemy drive you into despair about the mistakes you've made, because God is coming today to minister his healing and his hope into your life. 
and to give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called the oaks of righteousness. Now let me ask you a question. Who is going to be called the oaks of righteousness? It's the people who were grieving, the people who were in bondage, the people who were in darkness, the people who were broken, the people who were suffering. And Isaiah saw what Jesus was going to do. He's going to come and he's going to begin his ministry as he did with healing the sick, healing the brokenhearted, setting people free, delivering them of the powers of darkness, healing them and restoring them. And the people who were most hurt, when they are restored, they become the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, one of the greatest joys that we've experienced over the years is to see those people who were devastated by the events of, in their life to get out there into the world and be a demonstration into the world that God heals, God restores, and that they have a real message to tell because they can say, I was there and now I'm here. This is what God has done. And the whole message of obedience to God and healing goes hand in hand with this whole message here from Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. I guess some of you have made mistakes. And James, when he's talking about anyone sick amongst you, he says, come to the elders. Let them pray for you. And confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And the word healed is not just physically healed. It means healed. It means restored. It means delivered. It means salvation in all its fullness. The word healing and the word salvation is the same word in the Gospels. And I have a wonderful message for you today. That if we choose to walk in his ways, we will discover that he is the healer. He is the encourager. He is the one who takes the hurting and the broken. And he asks us to be obedient to him because we love him. And do you know why we love him? Because he first loved us. God is love. God didn't just decide to love some people. He actually can't help loving you because he is love. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that God loves somebody else but not me. God loves my brother or God loves my sister or God loves this person or God loves that person. But you can't really love me. Some of you may have actually experienced in childhood deep rejection. You're thinking, well, I am no good. Remember one man, he said, I was brought up by a mother who so put me down. She said to me one day that if you were a speck of dust, my vacuum cleaner wouldn't bother to pick you up. <laughs> how, do you, how do you grow up thinking like that? That your parents... Think of you like this. It's not surprising that he grew up with the perception that God didn't love him because he'd acquired from his parents that perception. None of us have perfect parents. All of us may well have received words and discouragements and they've left a pain in our heart. You know what Jesus said? I've come to tell you what the Father is like. The real Father. The Heavenly Father. The one who... Son, never sinned. I want to tell you, he loves you. And he cares for you. He believes in you. He knows that you may have been hurt, but he says, I want to lift you up. 
And scripture says, if you humble yourself, he will lift you up. Now, this whole area of obeying God, it's not just in the areas of, well, sin, obvious sin, and choosing not to sin, but it's in many other areas as well. Let me just tell you another area where Jesus encouraged us to obey him. In the Lord's Prayer, you have these words. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of an expansion of that. Lord, I ask that you will forgive me for the things that I have done wrong in exactly the same way as I am forgiving people who have hurt me. So let's say that again. Lord, I am asking you to forgive me for the things that I have done wrong in exactly the same way as I am forgiving those who have hurt me. Now, if you are holding other people in unforgiveness and bitterness, it doesn't matter how awful the things were or whatever, if you are holding them in unforgiveness, you are telling God, that's how I want you to deal with my sin. Oh. No wonder... A lot of people don't get the peace of God in their hearts when they confess their sin because they're not able to receive the forgiveness that comes from the Father. You know what it says in the Psalms? If you cherish sin in your heart, God will not hear your prayer. I wish little scriptures like that weren't there, don't you? (laughs) Because I'd like an excuse just to hold a bit of bitterness. They don't deserve to be forgiven. It's sin. And in Matthew 6.15, Jesus went on to say, if you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. So here's a little word from Jesus to you today. Forgive. Now, do you love the Lord? Do you? You're a bit hesitant now, I know. (laughs) Because you know what the next thing is. If you love the Lord, you will want to forgive. Let me tell you just a little story. A man I prayed for and he was chronic asthmatic at the age of 51. He couldn't go anywhere without his ventilator, puffers, medications, always having asthmatic attacks. And he'd been like that since he was a little boy. And when we prayed with him, we're praying into a different area of his life. We suddenly became aware that the Holy Spirit was exposing something in his life from a long time ago because this big 51-year-old man suddenly down on the floor like a little boy sobbing the sobs of a child. It wasn't the, the sobs of a grown man. This was the sobs of a little boy. And I was aware that the Holy Spirit had brought into the consciousness of this man an experience that he had as a little boy. And I got down on the floor and started talking to him. And Jim, tell me, what's happened? And this little boy, this little boy in the grown man, just little by little told me the story of how being brought up on the farm, hay time was a great time of fun for the kids. And he said he used to climb on the trailer in the farmyard and be towed by the tractor out into the fields. And the men would lift the bales of hay onto the trailer. And Jim would climb on the first layer of bales of hay. 
And then another layer would go on, and he'd climb another one higher, and another, and another, and another. So there's about six layers of bales, and he's right at the top. And he has a wonderful ride back to the farmyard, and gets into the farmyard, and now he has a problem, because he can't get down. So his dad stands there by the side of the trailer, like any dad would do, and says, come on, Jim, jump into my arms. And Jim jumped, and dad did that. Just stepped to one side, and Jim splatted on the concrete. His chest was crushed. And his father said to him at that moment, that's your first lesson in life, not to trust your relatives. So a six-year-old boy, given a horrible lesson, don't trust your dad. What do you do with that? Physically, he was injured. Chest was crushed, and within a very short time, he became a chronic asthmatic. And he'd been a chronic asthmatic for 45 years. And I sat with Jim on the floor, and he forgave his dad. And as he forgave his dad for what he had done, and took on board the new experience of his heavenly dad, who loved him unconditionally, the Spirit of God came upon him to heal him. He was delivered of a spirit of infirmity which came out of his lungs. And I will never forget hearing Jim on the floor, the first words that he said, I can breathe, I can breathe. I met his wife 10 years later and she said, Jim has never ever needed his medication again. He was totally healed. You see, Obedience to what Jesus asks us to do brings a lot of blessing. And as we choose to walk in his ways, we look at Galatians chapter 5, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. If you're walking in ways of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, none of these things are going to leave any pain in your life. But in the previous few verses, he's speaking to believers when he says... The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. He's speaking to Christians. The reality of our ministry, day in, day out, in all our different centers around the world, is that believers come and are crying their heart out on hearing retreats about the things that the enemy has led them into. They have chosen not to obey God. They've chosen not to listen to the voice of the Spirit. They've chosen to obey the God of this world. And as they've chosen to obey the God of this world, there have been consequences. I'll never forget the man who came to me and said, Peter, I've got to the point I now need to deal with the issue. He said, many years ago, I was going through a difficult time, went away on a, a business conference, he said, and I slept with my secretary. And she fell pregnant. And for all the years since then, I've had to pay maintenance. I've robbed my family of a lot of money that they would have had for their use if it hadn't been for my sin. When I spoke to his wife, she said to me, when he came back from that weekend, I knew that something had happened because I sensed there were three of us in the bed. You see, she had sense the joining that had taken place. God is a great redeemer. 
And in that situation where there had been years of pain and anguish and suffering, God came and healed their relationship. But they had to deal with the sin. See, if there are things in our life we've not dealt with, then we need to actually come to God and say, God, this is who I am. We sing the old hymn, just as I am, I come. The problem is, many of us say, sing, just as I am, I stay. We come to God as we are, and he says, give me permission to heal, to restore. He said, I know everything about you. You don't need to think that I don't know about your past, about the mistakes you've made, about the times when you've obeyed the voice of the enemy. He says, I know, but I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to come and say, I'm sorry. I'm waiting for you to come and say, forgive me. Waiting for you to come and say, Jesus, redeem my past. Jesus, deliver me. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, deal with the brokenness in my heart. Jesus, will you make me into an oak of righteousness so that my life will be a planting of the Lord? And when the people of God get restored and healed and they get out into the world, people begin to see a difference. And then they will begin to ask questions. What's happened to you? You've changed. And they begin to ask, how did it come about? One of the problems with much evangelism is that the evangelists are answering questions that people are not asking. And people are not interested in the answers to a question they're not asking. But when they start asking, well, what's happened to you? They are interested. And out there in the world today, the needs that people have manifest there in the media and looking all over the place for answers. But I want to tell you, Satan's answers are not God's answers. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. God has a way to bring restoration and healing into our lives. And his promise is, if you walk with him, he will fellowship with you. He and his father will come and share in the home of your heart. And they will express their love and their healing for you. And you will know the restoration, healing of the broken heart, healing of the sinful heart, restoring us in the identity that our Father intended us to be. Father, we want to come to you today. We come to you, Lord, as your people. We come, Lord, recognizing that we have a past. But I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you want to cleanse and heal and redeem and restore. Help us, Lord, with the things that you have put on our heart this morning, especially if there's bitterness or unforgiveness against other people. Help us, Lord, to choose to want to forgive. Not so that they can be released off your hook, Lord, but that so that I will no longer be in any bondage to what others have done so that I can be set free to serve you. Jesus, I come to you today. I come here just as I am. But Lord, I ask that you will take me as I am and make me into what you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.